Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest Norton Rose Fulbright Regulation Tomorrow Plus podcast. My name is Simon Lovegrove, Global Director of Financial Services Knowledge here at Norton Rose Fulbright. And this podcast is the first of three podcasts in our EMEA Touchpoint podcast series, where colleagues will provide their insights on what 2024 holds from a regulatory perspective. In this podcast, colleagues from Brussels, Germany and Luxembourg will share their thoughts. But before doing so, I should also mention that from a UK perspective, we have an online briefing note located on the Northern Rose Fulbright website covering 10 regulatory topics to look out for in 2024. This includes the Edinburgh reforms, Brexit and regulatory divergence, retail, ESG, fintech, asset management and markets. So without further delay, let's start by looking at developments in the EU and start with Brussels. As ever, I am joined by Anna Carrier, who will guide us through um, what 2024 looks like. And 2024 is likely to be an incredibly busy year in Brussels uh, with the European Parliament elections coming up. And Anna, I think that's a good place to start. Um, Could you just tell us what will happen and what all of this will mean for the European legislative and regulatory processes? Uh, absolutely correct. Uh, 2024 will be a very busy year in Brussels and a very important one too. Uh, with the current term of the European Parliament um, coming up to the end, at the end of April next year, the elections across European member states um, are taking place between 6th and the 9th of June. This also means that the end of the term of the current um, College of Commissioners with the highly politicized process of nominations of the President of the uh, European Commission and Commissioner per each member state likely to dominate next year um, political agenda in Brussels. So just to remind everyone, after the European elections, which as I said will take place in early June, the European Council, or the heads of European states and governments, will propose a President for the European Commission the nominee must be approved by the newly constituted European Parliament. And following that, each commissioner nominee must also be approved by the Parliament, which involves going through the hearing or hearings, depends. Sometimes it's more than one in front of the relevant committees. And after that, the new college as a whole also needs to um, uh, gain the approval by the Parliament. So at all those early stages, the president and the commissioners will also set out the high-level legislative agenda for the coming four-year term for the Commission. So it will be very interesting to follow how this debate evolves around what issues, what is going to be prioritized in those uh, four years um, to come after that. But what it, it is also important to note what it also means, all of that, for the ongoing legislative and regulatory processes. So, well, the answer is it depends. And more specifically, it depends on the stage in which the given legislative proposal is. But the election year is always um, has the biggest impact on the ongoing legislative reviews. So those that won't be wrapped up before the recess and hence such a rush to finalize as many of the currently open files as possible in time for a final adoption before the recess. Those, won't be fin- those that won't be finalized before the recess will inevitably face some delay on the European Parliament side. And um, as the council side of the review can continue, um, so the time needed in the parliament for the new econ committee to constitute, uh, to appoint if needed a new rapporteur. So the overall process will inevitably extend in time. But of course, for the files that are successfully finalized, including trilogues, council approval and plenary vote before the recess, this election year is perhaps likely less impactful, but nonetheless important because, the, as we'll discuss in a moment, the timeframes for all of that is, are also quite uh, strict given, given the upcoming um, election. Okay, thanks, Anna. Um, so let's move on. So what can you tell us more about some of the key financial services legislative initiatives? Where are they and what can we expect in 2024? Yes, thank you, Simon. So uh, we could probably spend another hour discussing that, but let's just uh, perhaps start with those initiatives that are currently 
at the regulatory phase. So those which are adopted, published in the official journal and, and important to, to our listeners, such as um, Markets and Crypto Assets Regulation, MECA, and the Digital Operational Resilience Act, DORA. So this election year is relevant in the sense that the whole set of secondary legislation, so the regulatory and implementing technical standards delegated acts, will at some point have to be reviewed and approved by the European Parliament. We know that most of the critical details of both those pieces of legislation sits in level two, as for many other financial services files. And there is a massive body of this uh, secondary um, rules that need to be developed, both for DORA and MICA, so that they can take effect and that the industry can comply with the relevant requirements. So again, timing in that respect is everything. But um, so, for example, for DORA, we are awaiting a first set of um, final draft technical standards to be submitted by the European supervisory authorities to the Commission in early January 2024. The Commission will then have to turn them around really quickly uh, if it was aiming for submitting the final rules to the Council and to the Parliament for review. And even then, the Parliament would need to accelerate its review if it was completed before the end of April. It's not impossible, extremely tight, so something to watch out very closely. And all of this, um, of course, it's, 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 it has implications for the industry, which, as I've mentioned, is anxiously awaiting those uh, critical L2 um, rules in order to progress with preparation for DORA and MICA entry into application, which, by way of reminder, is due to take place in January 2025 for DORA and December 2024 for MICA. Okay, thanks, Anna. Um, I just had another question, though. Um, what about the files that are not there yet? I mean, there are still pending formal adoption. I mean, can you comment on some of these? Yes, of course. So, um, as I've mentioned before, for such files, there is effectively, at this moment, a race against the clock. So there are a few major pieces of legislation that are in this phase, um, in different stages, but uh, nonetheless, kind of pending this formal adoption. So just to give some examples that are relevant, I think, to the to, to broad um, the financial services industry. One of them is review of markets and financial instruments regulation, MIFIR, that will introduce just by the quick reminder, new framework for the development of consolidated tape in Europe. So following highly contentious legislative re review, the provisional trilogue agreement was reached in June this year, and technical trilogues continued since. So we're expecting a plenary vote in January, and the procedure is quite likely to be completed well in time before the recess. So this means that 2024 will be focused on regulatory work. Um, another example, so review of the capital requirements directive and regulations, so CRD and CRR uh, proposals. They include a number of hugely important changes um, for the European banking sector, such as the introduction of the output flow rules regarding suitability assessment of board members, so the European version of fit and proper assessments, rules regarding um, ESG risks, but also regulation of European branches of third country credit institutions. But similar to MIFIR, likely to be adopted in time for um, before the recess. So again, if this takes place, assuming as, as, as planned, 2024 will see intense regulatory work and consultation, secondary legislation. So something that the industry will continue to be focused on. Um, another example, this one will be slightly different. So the review of European regulation market infrastructure. So Amir, here the situation is a bit more tight. And um, just to remind, the revised EMIR, European EMIR, is looking to cover issues such as highly controversial obligations for financial and non-financial counterparties to hold an active account in the EU CCP and a clear proportion of the euro-denominated derivatives trades in such a CCP. And after months of difficult discussions in the Council, um, the, 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 their Council member states' position was adopted earlier this week um, and paving the way to enter into trilogue negotiations with the European Parliament. First trilogue is expected uh, before Christmas, but the negotiations will have to move extremely smoothly for the whole process to be finalized before the parliamentary recess. And the latest for the plenary vote on the final text, uh, final text will have to take place in April, which is the last, the timing for the of, of the last uh, plenary session of this um, parliamentary term. So, which I understand is the co-legislator's objective, but it's nonetheless ambitious. 
Another example is the European benchmark regulation. This includes proposed amendments to the European PMR were welcomed by the industry as such, as they are looking to significantly narrow down the scope of the legislation only to critical and significant benchmarks. And whilst the review in the Council under the Spanish presidency is progressing very fast, with the general approach prospectively expected still this year, on the Parliament side, however, uh, the pace is much slower. The review has just um, really started off with the appointment of the rapporteur. While the review was intended to be relatively straightforward, some contentious issues start appearing, such as, for example, treatment of European and third country community benchmarks. So this leaves chances for final adoption before the recess in a highly ambitious category, in my view, but again, not entirely impossible. And finally, the last piece of legislation I wanted to mention, mindful of, um, of time constraints, uh, but I think it is important for both financial and non-financial market participants active in European um, energy markets, and that is a revised regulation on wholesale energy markets integrity and transparency remit. It introduces some meaningful changes to the rules concerning registration of third country market participants, gives ACER uh, more investigatory and enforcement powers. It also has a number of other um, amendments regarding, for example, definition of inside information and, and others. And in, in respect of this um, political, this, this um, file, the provisional trial agreement was reached in, like, in November this year, and the proposal is now on track for final adoption before the recess. So again, something to watch very closely. Normally, we should expect 2024 to be the implementation year. So I will stop here. There are a number of other very important European legislative proposals that I have not mentioned. For example, review of payment services directive and regulation, review of the anti-money laundering package, new proposals on open finance regulation, and also the entire and very important um, retail investment package. Um, the time limits of this um, session not allow me to discuss those in any detail, but it is very important to watch them closely and there will be still developments going on on each of those files in 2024. Thanks, Anna. As you say, I think we could go on and on and on about all the different um, legislative um, proposals, but that, that's been a very useful summary. So thank you for that. So we now move on to the Netherlands and given their predictions for 2024 is our partner in Amsterdam, Florja Nagelkirk. Florja, over to you. Thanks, Simon. So indeed, so what's ahead of us in 2024? So I think there are a couple of general themes that have the attention of the, both of the Dutch regulators, which is digitalization. Uh, so they worry about digitalization, but I also uh, champion it. So um, on the agenda for next year, there's, of course, the implementation of Mika. So that will be very interesting to see. So the AFM has formed their project team. They have started their work. They have been um, well introducing themselves to uh, market parties. They are open for discussions and they will open apparently their a license application uh, process um, beginning of the second quarter, end of the first quarter in 2024. So that is good to see that they uh, are prepared and very willing to interact with the market. Um, then they also have been in contact with the Dutch Central Bank because the Dutch Central Bank, of course, is the current um, uh, regulator that is uh, looking at the registrations for the crypto services providers. So uh, they are also now um, really cooperating in relation to the data uh, uh, exchange between uh, the both of them in relation to certain regulated or registered entities. Um, I think the other point in relation to digitalization is, of course, also the uh, upcoming implementation of DORA. That's also high on the agenda. Both of the regulators have been uh, already, I think, warning the market parties for two or three times now on that they really need to get their implementation processes started. Um, and that even though level two is not um, well finalized, that there is plenty uh, to do and already enough clarity on where you need to go so that is uh, that is also high on the agenda as well and then i think um 
again, uh, an overarching or uh, a theme that is uh, on both of their minds is sustainability. So the uh, compliance in relation to the uh, SFDR is, of course, mainly in the remit of the AFM. So they have been looking into that and they will uh, increase their attention. Uh, CSRD that is coming up and CSDDD uh, that is coming up, they are uh, looking and, and really already sort of discussing it with market parties as well in, in order to well, seek the attention of, of the entities that they really know what's coming uh, coming towards them. I think in relation to potentially the prudential side of things, so the prudential regulation, it's mainly, of course, the Dutch Central Bank that is looking into those aspects. And there you see that the Dutch, um, uh, the DMB has a couple of th themes on the agenda. So for investment firms, uh, it's mainly the SREP checks, so that those uh, apparently some data included in the SREP, uh, SREPs reports haven't been of a quality that the Dutch Central Bank wants it to be. So they have emphasized that now towards investment firms that they need to step up their game. So next year, there will be a focus on that. Uh, in relation to banks, the Dutch Central Bank um, will focus on stress tests and the outcomes of that. Um, and I think in relation to insurers, the main focus is inflation risk. Uh, but and if you sort of look at both or, or all of those regulated entities, they will look in relation to uh, certain risks that, that they see now in the current climate. Uh, for instance, mainly uh, interest rates, liquidity and the uh, credit risks that are, uh, well, developing, uh, at least that they, that's what they expect, that there might be some issues there. Um, the more, again, general risk that they are focusing on is, again, sustainability, the digital transformation, um, the data quality, cyber risk and governance. So I think what we see both of the AFM and the Dutch Central Bank uh, turning their attention to is governance, um, mainly in relation to, indeed, sort of um, whether or not all the risks are in play or are in 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 uh, are seen by the by by the market parties and have been taken care of or at least uh, uh, mitigated as far as possible. Um, so that is really on top of the the list of the Dutch regulators. And I think um, uh, the last thing I would like to mention uh, because I think. The European uh, um, topics have been discussed already by Anna, uh, but I think uh, one of the things that is also quite um, well unique uh, for, for the Netherlands for 2024 is the transition in relation to our pensions. So we had a certain pension regime in place and um, the, the rules in relation to how pensions are being dealt with and taken care of for well, the pensioners, that is being sort of adapted um, to a system or a regime that, according to the legislators and regulators, would fit better to the day and age that we are in currently, but that is quite a switch. So um, that has, of course, an impact to the pension funds, but also, for instance, in relation to insurance companies, but also to financial intermediaries, um, because they all play a part in in, in all the well, um, uh, decisions in relation to uh, pensions uh, taken by uh, well, me or other pensioners in the, in the future. So those are really uh, the most um, important topics. And I think maybe the really overarching topic is data quality. Uh, the, 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 the regulators are quite worried about the, the data quality and the more uh, rules that are being uh, well introduced all relate to data and, and in the sense that you have to include a lot of data in, for instance, calculations, in reports, um, and there they have found or are of the opinion that currently that is not of good enough quality. And I think, of course, in relation to sustainability, there is discussion not only in the Netherlands, but I think uh, throughout Europe and maybe even on the global level that there is not enough or not sufficient uh, and well-prepared correct data available for uh, market parties in the end to comply or to use in, in, in their uh, reporting in the sense that therefore they may not be able to comply with the rules of sustainability that are coming still towards us. Um, 
So I thought that would be the most important things to keep an eye out. Uh, the good thing about uh, both of the Dutch regulators is that they do on a regular basis publish um, um, their agendas, uh, the topics that are of interest uh, for them. Um, and um, I think I would like to uh, point out our Regulation Tomorrow blog where we include those as well. Thank you, Florja, uh, for that very comprehensive update. I would just take one issue uh, with you when you say that you're a pensioner. Uh, you're certainly not, uh, particularly <laughs> if you're a year younger than me. <laughs> I try not to think that I'm a pensioner. But thank you very much for that update, Florja. Thank you. Okay, so uh, continuing looking at Europe, we now move on to Germany, where Michael Bourne will give us some of his thoughts on what we should expect to see for 2024. Michael, over to you. Yeah, thank you, Simon. Um, in Germany, we will see um, quite a few important reforms in 2024 um, in the fields of digitization, ESG, and cross-border market access. Starting with uh, digitization, the German Federal Ministry has published a draft bill um, called the Financial Market Digitalization Act. This draft bill is aimed to implement a series of European regulations, um, such as the Markets and Crypto Assets Regulation, MiCA, or um, DORA, the Transfer um, the Digital Operations Resilience Act. Um, in order to, to harmonize national law with uh, the European framework, the German Federal Ministry proposes the introduction of a new uh, legal act, the Crypto Markets Supervision Act, um, and will amend existing laws such as, for example, the German Banking Act. Um, this national act is, is meant to enter into force at the same time as MiCA, and therefore it will likely come into force at the end of 2024. Um, with respect to ESG, um, we will see the implementation of BaFin's um, sustainable finance strategy. The, the German regulator um, focuses on integrating sustainability issues into its supervisory activities um, and has published a detailed strategy paper that will be implemented in 2024. Um, it's, according to the regulator, it will focus on the, the, the following core areas, the risk-oriented and practical regulation, um, more reliable data on financial climate risks, the integration of sustainability issues in supervisory uh, activities, and the technical support for foreign supervisory systems. In this context, Bafin's position on greenwashing is that it is um, that it intends to um, actively monitor compliance with all transparency and disclosure requirements on ESG, um, in particular under the SFDR and the taxonomy regulation. With respect to um, the cross-border market access as a third important topic for 2024, we will see the implementation or the, the, the national uh, implementation Act for CRD 6. Um, this reform will implement the Basel reforms, but it will also um, have other aspects, and one should be noted in particular. Um, the CRD 6 will require third country credit institutions to establish a branch in the EU to provide uh, or to, 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 to conduct banking business and will thus abolish the possibility to provide um, banking business services on a cross-border basis. And in Germany at the moment, there are quite a few um, credit institutions from third countries such as Canada or the, the US that can rely on an individual exemption granted in the individual case that allows them to provide cross-border services without such branch. 
As a fourth important topic for 2024, we will see the implementation of the Credit Services Directive. Um, the German government has published a, um, a bill called the Credit Secondary Market Promotion Act. Um, which will introduce a um, authorization procedure for credit service providers for non-performing loans in Germany and uh, will also introduce a European passport regime for such service providers. Um, the law must enter into force at the end of uh, 2023. Um, in the draft bill, the German government has already published certain transitional measures which will allow the relevant companies to continue their services for six months. However, um, if these service providers intend to continue their services after these six months, they will have to file um, a first notification already in January 2024. And therefore, with respect to this reform, there will be immediate need for action at the beginning of 2024. Thank you, Michael. That was a very useful update. I just want to pick up on one thing. Um, you mentioned, uh, I think, the BaFin and its um, ESG. Um, supervisory statement. I just wondered if you could just say a few words uh, about that. I mean, ESG is very topical at the moment in the UK because we've just seen our new sustainability disclosure rules. So, Michael, just to finish with, I wonder if you could just say a few words about uh, the BaFin statement. Yeah, um, indeed, the um, ESG-related regulation is a dominating topic, not only at the European level, but also at the national level. And um, the German regulator, um, has published a few strategic papers recently that will um, yeah, be relevant in the, in the future. And the most important indeed is its sustainable finance strategy um, that it published uh, in, in 2023. Um, and yeah, it Bafin clearly says that the integration of sustain, sustainability issues um, in its supervisory activities is one of its main objectives for the next years. Um, and therefore, um, the focus area of, of BaFin is indeed the integration of ESG risks and ESG objectives in, in many other regulatory um, um, topics. Um, BaFin has also formulated its understanding of its own role in this in this uh, strategy and has made clear that um, it will deal with these ESG risks as part of its regular and 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 let's say um, non not specifically related to ESG uh, um, uh, supervision. Um, it however does not pursue its own ESG objectives. Um, but will rather implement the um, the objectives given by yeah the mainly European legislator. Um, it also does not set out its own criteria for assessing the effectiveness of um, ESG related measures. Um, however, it will supervise the. Um, EU transparency requirements imposed under the um, European acts, such as the SFDR um, or um, yeah, the, 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 the uh, requirements imposed under the taxonomy regulation. Okay, Michael, uh, so lots to look out for um, there in the new year. Okay, thanks very much for the update from Germany, Michael. So let's now move on to France, where Sebastian Prichu, a partner in our Paris office, will share his thoughts on what 2024 will bring from a French regulatory perspective. And I think, Sebastian, you want to start by providing a brief market overview of French banking regulation. Absolutely, Simon. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Let's start by a market overview. Um, the ACPR has actually provided some very interesting figures and predictions. 
what they mention is actually uh, that the banking sector balance sheet has grew compared to the year before with actually a net banking income, which has been busted by the improvement in the net, net interest margin. Uh, the ACPR, the French banking regulator, is also outlining that the banks have continued to play their role in financing the economy with a credit market, which actually remain dynamic. It's very interesting to hear um, that the ACPR uh, believes that this will reinforce the sector's solidity and offer very good prospects for next year, especially in the context where actually the Basel IV implementation uh, is, is being discussed. It's also worth noting, because we are discussing currently uh, the Basel IV and the Basel IV implementation, which actually uh, will start in 2025 and with uh, something in that implementation, which is graduate um, over a five-year period. So it's interesting to note in that context where actually the banks are raising that there will be more needs in terms of regulatory capital, that the core equity one solvency ratio uh, is predicted to rise uh, to around more than 15% at the end, uh, or to 16%. So mid-range of 15 to 60% um, of the assets. So these developments will actually reinforce the sector solidity and according to the ACPR, offer good, protects, good, good prospects for next year. Um, now, turning to actually the other French regulator, we have in France three regulators, right? the ACPR, the AMF, and the Banque de France, the French Central Bank. So the other regulator, which is the financial regulator, the AMF, has actually set some priorities for next year. It's interesting to see that the priorities are to promote finance, that meets investors' expectations, with an education of investors on risks. Um, encouraging the reporting, encouraging the transparency and engaged dialogue with the regulated entities. There is also an aspect which the EMF is pointing out is meeting the European and international challenging. France should participate and will participate in European efforts to improve the resilience and cyber, notably the risk for about uh, cyber attack risk. Prepare stakeholders for the implementation of European regulation on digital finance, that the case of DORA, which play a leading role in Europe, play a leading role as well in European supervisory convergence um, and positioning France on new European issues and increasing need for protecting clients. Um, obviously, one other key topic will continue to be the fight against money laundering and ensure robust and efficient supervision, notably modernizing actually the relations with the financial community. Um, <clears throat> the other aspect is sustainable finance, the ESG. Uh, very recently, the EMF has published his approach on sustainable finance. And his approach is actually encouraging listed companies to implement the ESMA recommendation, an extra uh, financial reporting. Uh, there is also a call from the French Financial Authority, the AMF, on greater diligence on regulatory reporting by asset management companies. And there has been a very interesting report issued by the French Banking Authority, the ACPR, on taxonomy. So there is this focus on actually non-financial corporate taxonomy reporting and from asset managers. Uh, two, other, two other items to mention here. Um, Digital assets. We are in a process where the European regulation, MICA, is in the course of being implemented, pre-implementing, and the EMF has actually amended its general regulation and its policy on digital asset provider. Uh, as, a, as a reminder of a former podcast, like all the EU countries, France has actually issued a national regime with registered and licensed providers, which can, uh, obviously, which has uh, to be uh, enhanced in the context of MICA. So we, we are in a transition period, like all the countries in Europe, uh, transitioning from the current DASP, Digital Asset Service Provider Regime, to CASP, uh, the Crypto Asset Service Provider Regime. So there is, we are in a period of adjustments of the French requirements with the European requirements. And for the currently registered DASP in France, they will have to converge to the license under the CASP regime under MICA. So we are in, a, in, a, in an adjustment 
period and the transitioning period for all the actors. Current registered actors in France will have to be licensed in France and then under America. So most uh, of, of the, the French digital asset providers are in the way to be transitioned to Mika. Finally, I, would, I should mention also MIFID II, uh, the French Financial Market Authority has updated its guidance, guidelines, uh, which, which actually integrate the revised directives uh, from the ESMA on product governance under MIFID. Uh, so, so what it's about is to clarify the uh, requirements and to, uh, especially applicable to investment services provider, including the portfolio uh, management firms. There are very interesting aspects actually um, on financial advisors as well. So this is for clarification purposes and alignment uh, on ESMA. Uh, thank you. And over to you, Simon. Thanks, Sebastian, uh, for providing that uh, helpful overview. So we now move to Luxembourg, where I'm delighted to be joined by Claire Hubert and Dorothy uh, Ciolino. And Claire, I think you wanted to start by just saying a few words about the political situation in Luxembourg. Yes, indeed. In Luxembourg, a new coalition government is in place uh, since very recently. And while the financial sector was not the central piece of the coalition government, uh, we expect that the government will continue to actively support the financial sector and its development, its promotion, uh, with the objective to move up the value chain, whether in the banking sector, the fund industry, or in the capital markets. Most measures announced are extensions of existing policies, continue the development of green finance, gender finance, blended finance, fintech, and digital assets. On the asset management side, specifically, the focus is on facilitating the access to alternative investments while protecting capital, and also on sustainability, of course. What is important to note when it comes to Luxembourg legislation is that EU directives and regulations cover 90% of the finance industry in Luxembourg. And we can say that we are currently in the middle of a regulatory wave as part of the EU's capital markets union plan. It, indeed, and, and Dorothy, I think you've, you've got some thoughts as well as regards to 2024. Uh, yes, indeed. Thank you, Simon. Yeah, 2024 will follow the same path and 2023, basically. And it will be probably a turning point for certain key measures in the pipeline for the finance industry, especially in the ICT field. As Claire mentioned, it, Luxembourg is keen on transposing EU directives and regulations. And due to the number of them, there are not so much room left for pure legal local legislation. Uh, as regards fintech, 2024 will be digital and resilient. Indeed, from the ICT resilience standpoint, DORA is coming into force in January 2025. Therefore, some amendments to the law on the financial sector uh, shall be provided by the end of, of 2024 year. The, a bill has already been um, adopted and is under analysis uh, of the parliament, provided for some amendments required by DORA and provide for the sanction regime. Pursuant to the provision of the current bill, the financial regulator will be entitled, among other penalties, to impose administrative fines on the entity in breach of DORA provisions. Based on the bill, the regulator will be able to choose between a fine up to 5 million euros or a fine up to 10% of the annual turnover of the entity, or if the entity belongs to a group of companies, 10% of the consolidated annual turnover. Furthermore, Luxembourg aims to transposing the Directive 2022-2557 called Critical Entities Resilience Directive in order to strengthen the critical infrastructure resilience. Different sectors are concerned, like energy, transportation, financial sector, and health sector. Finally, still in relation to the ICT, a bill of e-signature relating to the electronic signature of documents in administrative matters and amending the law of 25th of July 2015 relating to the electronic archiving is also being discussed at the Parliament for the moment. 
As you see, Luxembourg keeps creating a technology-friendly regulatory environment, balancing this objective with the consumer and individual's protection concerns. These concerns are considered when it comes to crypto assets, DLT, or artificial intelligence. In 2024, a new bill to make the required amendments provided for by MECA will be analyzed by the parliament as well. A new law dated 15 March um, 2023 has already uh, came into force to clarify the DLT regime when it comes to pledges and other financial collateral arrangements and to clarify the booking of MIFID II financial instruments. As for now, the CSSF has also published its FAQ in August this year to clarify the VASP status before the MICA regime entered the force. The CSSF has furthermore published the ABA statement encouraging timely preparatory steps toward the application of MICAR to assets referred and e-money token. Finally, 2024 will also be the year for the payment industry, instant payments, as well as digital euro. Luxembourg is also waiting for PSD3, to amend, which will amend and modernize PSD2, to PSR, the Payment Service Regulation, which is a new uh, European regulations relating to payments. And both of these acts uh, <clears throat> try to enhance the efficiency of open banking and to improve consumers' protection and competitors between uh, competition sorry, between the players in the industry of payment. Moreover, a new draft referred to as FIDA, Financial Data Access, uh, has been um, created by, um, by the EU um, uh, Commission. And this new act tried to create a financial data space and a provision and to provide for clear rights and obligation to manage customers' data sharing in the financial sector. Coming to the MIFID II uh, standpoint, the CSF just issued two several, uh, not two, three several circulars. Uh, one is uh, regarding the ESMA guidelines on the integration of sustainability requirements on product governments. And the other one is regarding the ESMA guidelines on remuneration requirements and, and in general, sustainability requirements. These guidelines or remuneration requirements aims to promote greater conversion in the interpretation of and supervisory approaches to MIFID II remuneration requirements, as well as MIFID II conflict of interest and conduct of business requirements on remuneration by emphasizing a number of important issues and thereby enhancing the value of existing standards. Thank you, Dorothy. So much going on. And on top of that, I think, Claire, you've got some comments on the asset management regulation side. Yes, indeed. Uh, on that side, the, the, the legislator and the regulator in Luxembourg have been very active as well. The key measures was highlighting uh, would probably be um, first the modernization of the Luxembourg fund products laws and also of the AFM law. Uh, relaxing certain requirements applicable to uh, Luxembourg investment funds and facilitating their access beyond the professional investors only. And this is in line with the tendency at EU level with the revision of the LTIF regime, which took place at the uh, same time. The LTIF is the EU regulatory label available to EU AIF managed by an EU AFM willing to get a marketing passport to be able to offer the fund to any type of investors, so not limited to professional investors across the EU. The issue with the current LTIF regime was that it was too strict. It entailed too restrictive requirements which simply could not work with the expected features and use of an AIS. The revised regime will relax some of these rules in particular around investment restrictions and diversification, redemption rights, and leverage limits. The LTIF 2.0 will apply from 10th of January 2024, and LTIFs which are currently authorized much, must comply with uh, the LTIF 2 regime by the 11th January 2029, unless they are not raising additional capital. New LTIFs authorized before the 10th of January 2024 may choose to be established 
under the new um, LTIP regime. Uh, in addition, worth mentioning our various measures to increase disclosures and also the quality of disclosures to investors so that they are better informed on what is being sold to them. For example, the CSSS published its general findings and observations on marketing communications with regard to cross-border distribution of undertakings for collective investment. Also, the CSSS published a report on the implementation of sustainability-related provisions in the fund industry. Whilst in parallel, the CSSS launched three digital data collection exercises on SFDR-related data to be reported by Lux, uh, Luxembourg Investment Fund Managers. One on SFDR disclosures in periodic reports for Luxembourg funds disclosing under Article 8 or 9 of SFDR. One on regulatory requirements in relation to SFDR. And one on pre-contractual disclosures in relation to SFDR and the taxonomy. With the end objective to collect such information in a digital format on an annual basis, and with the next step being probably to extend the collection exercise to principal adverse impact statements. Worth noting also uh, that we are in the middle of a consultation by the EU Commission, which may lead to a change of approach regarding SFDR. The Commission is opening the door to what many perceive as an alignment with the sustainability disclosure requirements developed in the United Kingdom, which is called the, the SDR, to the potential use of a labeling regime proposing categories overlapping with the SDR. In a nutshell, this new consultation, opened until the 15th of uh, December this year, contains two publications, one focusing on how SFDR is working in practice and the issues of its implementation, and one focusing on identifying the shortcomings of SFDR and exploring options to improve the regime. Increased disclosures is actually also one of the focuses in the upcoming revision of the AFND and the usage uh, regime that is uh, going on uh, currently and that is going to be voted at EU level somewhere beginning of 2024. For Luxembourg, uh, the FND and the usage directive are major pieces of legislation, given that, that Luxembourg is a key host jurisdiction for investment fund managers and funds in the EU. Fortunately, the existing CSSF Circular 18698 was already going quite deep into the requirements applicable to those uh, fund managers, so that we do not necessarily expect uh, the managers to have to drastically change their organization and setup to be compliant with the new rules. But there will be definitely some adjustments needed, in particular around the delegation framework, monitoring of delegates, the liquidity management, use of liquidity management tools, and especially for uh, managers, AFMs, managing loan origination funds, which are now going to be regulated under FMD2. Also around the disclosures and reporting to investors, uh, in particular around costs, or should I rather say undue costs, which is also a focus on uh, of the EU retail investment strategy, by the way. And also worth noting uh, is that the CSSF is already very focused on um, uh, the ongoing supervision of, uh, of uh, fund managers around governance, compliance, liquidity, and valuation. In fact, on liquidity, the CSF has issued this year a paper on liquidity stress testing and on valuation. Also this year, the CSF has published a feedback report on the Luxembourg's results under ESMA's uh, common supervisory action of 2022 on asset valuation, requiring uh, managers to conduct an assessment of their valuation framework, taking into account the ESMA and the CSF reports and to take any remediation measures by the end of 2023. And I would just like to finish with a few words on the AML topic. The Luxembourg legislation, legislator and regulator 
have been very active in implementing a solid AML TFT framework in Luxembourg over the past decade. Last piece in date is the circular of the CSSF 23843 on application of the EDA guidelines on AML TFT factors with respect to the application of the guidelines on policies and controls for the effective management of money laundering and terrorist financing when providing access to the financial sector. And in parallel, AML compliance is one of the key focus of the CSSF in its ongoing supervision. In particular, through its AML survey, the inclusion of AML checks in the external auditor scope, the strengthening of requirements around internal policies and procedures, um, uh, additional requirements around risk assessment, risk rating and reporting, and all of that also on the asset side. FATF issued a couple of months ago a favorable report following its visit to Luxembourg, saying that Luxembourg has achieved, uh, and I quote, a strong internal cooperation and coordination at both political and operational levels, including in the use of financial intelligence and access to beneficial owner information, as well as constructive cooperation with its international counterparts. There is, however, room for improvement on detection, investigation, and prosecution of more complex money laundering cases, according to the FATF, in line with inherent country risk profile. So Luxembourg should also consolidate the supervision of AML non-financial sector. While for sure this will be tackled by the Luxembourg legislator and regulator at the occasion of the implementation of the EU AML package, which is also one of the key topics, one of the many key topics on the EU's agenda for 2024. Thank you, Claire. Um, and also thank you, Dorothy, for, for your updates. Um, certainly an awful lot going on in Luxembourg, particularly on the um, asset management side. Um, just picking up on your comment about the Commission's SFDR consultation, be very interesting see how what happens following um, that, um, what changes are brought into effect. And also you referenced AFMD2, and just for our listeners' benefit, there is an article on AFMD2 that Claire um, produced in our publication, Global Asset Management Review. Uh, many thanks, Claire and Dorothy, again, um, for your update. Uh, that concludes the Luxembourg section. So that concludes this podcast and my thanks to my colleagues for sharing their thoughts and insights. We will, of course, continue to track EU regulatory developments on our Regulation Tomorrow blog. If you have any questions, please reach out to our speakers or your usual North American Bright contact. Many thanks for listening. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.